Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where today just Matt and I, just the two of us, talk about the art and the science to the stuff that we put on our feet. It has been a hot minute since we have had a podcast, so we're excited to be recording and chatting, which means we also have a lot to catch up on. Today is actually our 50th episode that we've recorded, um, which feels kind of like a like it snuck up on us a little bit. Um, yeah. So we're, we're kind of kind of fun. And, and what we're going to do today, we're going to give a little update on what we've been doing this year and kind of why we've been away from the podcast world for a little bit um, and just what we've been trying to get in place. And then we're actually going to go through a lot of questions that have been accumulating. Um, as we've grown, we've had a lot more people asking questions and we just haven't unfortunately had the time to get to all of them. So that's one of our hopes is that we're going to address some of these questions um, give some responses. You know, there's some really good questions in here, and hopefully we can uh, give as robust of an answer as we can. These aren't things that we've spent a ton of time marinating on, uh, and so we're just gonna we're gonna be pulling from um, from what we know and what we use on a daily basis in our jobs as physical therapists. Um, so first, uh, Matt, just like li any quick life updates, maybe like a one minute life update. Yeah, you've had one or two things happen. Yeah, I got married, which was super happy that happened. Also crazy. Um, mm -hmm. It is, I, everybody warned me how stressful setting that thing up is. And I did not realize how it was. So I'm just thankful that my wife and I were able to get through that and have that off and have everything go well, even in the middle of COVID in LA, like masks <laughs> are going back up again. So we got it at the right time. So very happy with that. Um, my All my PhD classes are done. So I'm getting ready to take my qualifying exams, which I've got like one shot at. So uh, no stress there, right? So lots of like PhD stuff, teaching stuff, still treating on the side. And then lots of crazy stuff happening with Doctors of Running with like us having some awesome guest reviewers come join on and lots more expansion and things to talk about and different companies that we're talking with and seeing stuff. So there's a lot, yeah. a lot going on. Nathan, what about yeah. you? Yeah, um, nothing as big as getting married for me, um, you know, like, but uh, life has been chugging along, then our clinic has been really, really busy, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, I always say it's a weird thing for, our, for the clinic to be busy, because it's good that we have business, right? That's, it's a good that we're helping people. That's kind of usually how I try to spin it in my mind, but it also means that people are hurt, and that's the less fun part about it. So, um yeah, I think it's been a good year for our clinic getting back on its feet after everything with COVID. And um, we're kind of rolling. We hired a, a new therapist, which is it kind of explains some of the growth too. So we had so much that we were able to bring someone on. And so it's been fun to watch our clinic grow. Life at home has just been really fun. Our boys are getting older and they're going to be four and two in a couple of weeks. So their birthdays are five days apart. So it's just been fun. And obviously the Bucks. As we're talking, are one game away from winning the NBA title. Me saying this could be me crying in a couple weeks if they lose two straight, but right now it's been a lot of fun regardless of what happens. Um, so anyway, that's probably the biggest updates for me. Um, Very important. But Very I think, important. yes, <laughs> I think from a Docs of Running perspective, just to update you all, we've been spending a lot more time in a couple different camps. Um, one of them has been the fact that we've had so much growth in connecting with more companies who want us to produce reviews for you guys. Um, 
And so they've been reaching out to us, a lot of companies reaching out, wanting to send footwear, which has put us in a spot of, we can't do the quality of job that we want with the volume of shoes that we have. So there's a couple ways we could go about it. It could be saying no to a lot more footwear um, and narrowing our scope of what we review. Um, another option that we had was bringing on new people. And so we've, uh, you've probably seen uh, through our Instagram and stuff, uh, hopefully, but we have brought on three guest reviewers and it's just been a fun, we, we went, brought them all through an interview process, which was really fun to just connect with people really from the profession, yeah. hearing about their expertise around the country. Um, so we have, you know, Megan, Andrea and uh, Ryan joining us. And so we're really glad that we have some females on our team to be adding a huge perspective to our reviewing. It's a big deal. And um, yeah, so that's been really fun. And then, in that too, we've been discussing more things with companies about how to, you know, how our knowledge base can be helping them. So it's just been a fun time. And now we're hoping that we can, and it's summer, right? So we're like, we're doing fun things. So we're not always ready to meet on Sunday nights because uh, we're out having fun with our families or girlfriends or whatever. And so it's been, it's been a good summer, but now we're back at it. We've got, I've got a huge pile of shoes we got a pile of questions, and um, and so we're just going to kind of dive into questions after one more question that I have for you, Matt, yes. is what is the one shoe that has made you think the most from like a footwear science perspective uh, like in the last, recently, in the last like six months? Um, that's an interesting, that's a very interesting question. Um... I think there's been a couple of them. I can't say I have the Keanu Light too right now, and that doesn't count because I reviewed the one a while ago. So the concept of differing stability re really hasn't, that's been an older thought. I think some of the new super sush stuff, I have to say, I think to answer your question, it's been this one. The uh, the Adidas AdiZero Audios Pro 2, and probably a little bit of the Boston has made me think the most about how I think about weights and also a lot of the mechanics behind what makes shoes quick. And I think the Boston, especially these two kind of go together. Just, I, this is a stiff shoe. It's not something I ever would have, have suspected to be a train, right? It's got rods there, right? So again, it's these kind of, you're seeing more of these plates and rods being put in trainers. You're seeing different foams. You're seeing this shoe was interesting because they're doing a lot of different ways of stability, right? We've talked about on the last one, both Nathan and I mentioned kind of this, this lateral bevel and how it how much it contributes to like moving your foot in a certain direction. But I think the Adi Zero line, and maybe I'm biased, has has done that, especially the Audios Pro, because I thought this was going to be super unstable for me. And this is what I chose for a race yesterday. I was like very set on choosing another shoe. And then I was like too nervous because it was my first race in a while. I grabbed this one. Um, and it did great. And it's despiping super soft what worked very well for my mechanics, which just normally do that. So the midfoot cutout isn't bothering me. A lot of things that I would suspect would piss my mechanics off. Yeah. You're outsole right now though. Yeah, th that's a different uh <laughs> get that a little there is no outsole on that lateral aspect left. Um the other side, the right side's fine. This one. I How many miles? What, uh, like 45, 50-ish. Okay. Yeah, so 
not at, I mean, most of this was gotten to me by way by like 20. So I definitely left a, a piece came off during the race. Like I was jogging back and I was like, oh, that's part of my soul. Right. Not my, a little, I left a little part of my soul in the course, but also the show. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I think this one's made me think, like rethink how we do, how a lot of concepts are about footwear. It's been very interesting to run it. Yeah. Uh, so cool. and there's, we have, there's some other shoes that are coming out we can't talk about yet, but I, I think they may do something similar for me. So right. excited for this next year, as always. Yep. What about cool. you? Is there any, anything that's really made you like, oh, like, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I, I definitely think for me, it's been the, the Bondi X. Um, just, I think there's, there's so much, like take all of the, the current trend tech and it's here in this shoe yeah. uh, in a very, you know, a very soft carbon plated, um, extended heel, big stack. Like it kind of checks all the boxes for like trends in footwear industry and they're putting it in this trainer package um, and I think it's just made me, you know, it, it's really made me go down, um, thinking about, and also reading some, some research on the impact of carbon plates for performance, which we've talked about before, while also considering what is the carbon plate doing, not just for performance, but is it just now a new substitute for things like these torsion systems or these plastic components through the midfoot to stabilize these softer foams? is there a level where all carbon plates are not created equal where the level of flexibility really maybe makes one not even a thing to consider for daily training meaning it doesn't even impact daily training because of how flexible it is i think of like the pacer xt S, right. st from 361 where the, there was or even the you know even the um the razor elite from sketchers like they're just so much more flexible and this one has a pretty decent amount of flexibility as well and so it just, um, I mean, it's still rigid, don't get me wrong, but when you're in it, your weight is gonna bend the plate. Yeah. We're gonna do a full review on that one, but I think it's made me just asking a lot of questions about, is there actual impact from this stuff? What should we expect from a shoe? How much should we put our you know, stock in getting a carbon plated shoe for this? What kind of long-term implications might there be? And a lot of these questions don't have literature answers. So it's just definitely made me think we we've talked extensively well not extensively but like some of the long-term implications people ask us and like hey what's the effect and we don't know honestly like we we're seeing some of it clinically and where we can try to like put some pieces together going you know what i can see how i put some additional pressure there but for the most part we have no evidence on that and the problem is that evidence that's going to take a long time it'll take a long like and a lot of people are going to get injured a lot of people are going to be healthy before mm -hmm. we figure that out. So these are the, this is where the questions start. And I agree with you going, we just don't know yet. We're just having yep. clinical, ed clinically educated guesses yep. on what the impacts might be. And it's like any new technology, right? There's gonna be positives and negatives. We have to weigh those out. Yep. And we're nerds. So we always think about like both sides to get like, yeah, we geek out as just as much as you. We also are asking the questions like, is this really a hundred percent good? Or right. is there some side effects we need to be aware of? So. Right. Yep. So, and it's been a, uh, I mean, sorry, I don't mean to leave, make it a teaser because I, we will, yeah. I'll be writing my reviews soon and stuff, but like the, the, I, just from a running experience standpoint, I really enjoy running in this shoe. Ah, I guess that's, that's the, the short of it. Um, I enjoy it. I've gotten to hear this. I've been bothering him for weeks since he's had this. I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? He goes, wait for the review. So now I finally have <laughs> 
That's all I need. I don't need anything, anything more. Bye. I'm good. That's it. See you later. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's been an enjoyable shooter run in. Okay. Um, whether the whether the components need to be there as they are, and whether a two hundred dollar price point needs to be there to get a shoe that feels similar to this, I don't know. And that's what I'm going to dive into in the review. But yeah, anyway, yeah. cool. I was just curious what's been occupying your mind in the shoe world. So that's thanks for answering. Um, so we're going to just run through these questions, and we have partial names from the people who have asked these. So um, here we go. The first one is from Slow off of Instagram. Uh, they said, hey, I was wondering if you have any shoe recommendations for someone with Halix Rigidus. Recently tried the Endorphin Speeds, and they didn't work for me at all. was thinking about something more rigid like the A6 Magic Speed. I've had great experiences with the Puma Liberate Nitro, which is completely opposite, very flexible. So perhaps something like the Brooks Aurora BL. Uh, basically looking for something for long runs would appreciate any guidance. Thank you. Dude, I remember that question. I was like you have Halix Rigidus and you're doing well in the Liberate. So first, maybe explain Halix Rigidus, what that oh, means okay. and what it is. Nathan, you've run in the Liberate, right? I, I have not. So Halix Rigidus is where you're, is usually the first toe. Sometimes it's additional ones. Well, not for Halix, but for Halix Rigidus, it's your, it's your big toe. You basically start losing mobility of the joint. So normally for normal gait for walking, you need about 60 degrees of toe extension at that big joint to be able to walk and go over that torn norm, toe normally. Running, we don't have a set number, but it needs to be at least 60, if not 70, 80 um, degrees of, again, so if this, if the foot's here, it needs to come up this direction to be able to roll over it. Halix rigidus is kind of a <clears throat> term for where you start losing mobility of that joint, whether it's the joint capsule you're getting arthritic changes, that you're losing motion at that joint. It can be painful there. It can just be stiff. It can present a variety of ways. So the challenge is if you're running and put a lot of force there trying to push off, if that doesn't move, that can cause some challenges for certain people. Yeah. So I'm curious to know why you think he's doing well in Liberate. Yeah, I, it, I, I think something I'd be curious, we don't know this person at all. And I think right. as clinicians, we have more questions now than we do uh, feedback for for this person but yeah. um i think some yeah. some questions to ask are matt just you just explained that there's a lot of potential causes for halix rigidus and what's the level of discomfort that this person has because maybe if they have no pain it's a whole different scenario than if it's like really bothering them yeah. <clears throat> and so if they're in this category of no pain and maybe it's just some arthritic changes that aren't painful like a non-painful arthritis which happens um you know, finding another flexible shoe just with more, you know, if you like the Puma, if you like the foam in the Liberate Nitro, maybe find something with a little bit more stack under there. I mean, you have the, I don't know if you try if he's tried the Velocity or the Magnify, um, your Magnify is right there. Yeah. I, I would too. encourage the Magnify just because again, additional foam, the toe spring is really nice, but it's, there's no plate. So it's not rigid where it's going to bother you. Cause here's the thing about plates is if the plate does not line up with where you need to toe off, it's gonna increase the amount of joint forces into that joint and it can piss the joint off more. That's so, where I was gonna go to. Yeah, plates are not magic. You have to make sure the shoe lines up with you. So I like the Magnify, there's no plate and there's still a rocker. So he might not like the Magnify. And I'm wondering yeah, I think if the speed, first of all, the speed's a nylon plate, it's not carbon. I'm wondering if the speed might not be lining up with his toe joints. 
So yeah, and when Matt's saying that too, I'm just gonna show you guys. So you can see in this shoe here, you can see where my finger is, and then all of a sudden, boom, it really starts to ramp up from there. And if that if that axis point, if that apex of the start of the toe spring is in the wrong spot, that's what Matt's talking about there. So um, the bend of the plate is all the same. Nathan brings up a great point. I did not mention that actually, but oh. the I was talking about the plate, but the toe spring is equally as important. If that's not set up at the right place and the plate doesn't bend and match up with that spot, it's gonna cause more problems. Thank you. So in my mind, for this person, if they're not having a problem with flexibility through the forefoot, maybe yeah. just try to find one of the shoes with a foam that you like that has a little bit more stack to it, like the Magnify. I really like the Velocity as well. Depends on how long you're going. Um, I, I prefer the Velocity over the Magnify, but, um, but maybe something like that. Otherwise, if you are having issues, maybe it's playing around with different um, shoes with different types of plates or, or uh, not even plates, but different levels of toe spring and where it is. Magic Speed is a good option. That's like a little bit earlier in the whole thing with Asics for longer runs, like the Glide Ride 2. Um, that has a little bit later of a position and it has like this nylon plate. Yeah, Matt's holding up the uh, Tri Nusa. You know, all of those rockers could be a good option and they have varying levels of flexibility. So um, if you're going with Asics, I think you do have those three options, kind of the Evo Ride slash Nusa. They're pretty, they're the same base. Then you have the Glide Ride 2. Don't get the Glide Ride 1, in my opinion. It's too unstable. And then um, maybe not for everybody. A lot of people liked it. It's fine. Anyway, or going over to, you know, sticking with Puma with what's worked for you with the Nitro Foam and going from there. And again, we would I'd like to emphasize that we know that plates are in right now. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need one. It means that you should look, probably look for a shoe with toe spring, but what amount will depend on you. And so you're going to have to try some things. But the shoes that Nathan mentioned are great, great options. A lot of the ASIC stuff is good, but we're also really impressed. I, at least I can say for myself, I'm impressed with what Puma is doing right now. They've got some great product out um, that's well worth exploring. So Asics as well and everybody else, but I I'm I I love this shoe. This is a this is a the Magnify is a favorite of mine. We really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that they've sent our way. It's yeah. great. Puma is has done somewhat like traditional looking trainers with a nicer foam and just some some nice stability mechanisms. And I yeah, I agree. Anyway, let's move on. Next question. Good question. Uh, very good question. This is uh, from Austin on Instagram. Uh, would any or would any of you have any guesses on why the Rebel 2 destroys my Achilles tendons? I don't think it's heel toe drop as I've been fine in lower drop shoes. In summary, I'm a four foot midfoot striker with high arches and a ten, and tend to supinate. Easy run paces, seven to eight minutes per mile are fine, but four to five minutes per mile become painful pretty quick. It's sad because I really like how the shoe feels otherwise. This is another one where I read, I'm like, I have more questions. And that's part of being a clinician going, we have a lot more to ask on that. But the Rebel is an interesting shoe. It's it's one of the few talking. I'm, I'm going to go grab the shoe. Keep talking. Okay, got it. The Rebel 2 and the Rebel 1 is interesting because it has so much lateral flare on this, on the shoe that I don't know many other shoes that have this amount. Someone correct me in the comments if I was wrong, but it was my understanding that this shoe was originally designed for Jenny Simpson or Jenny Berenger, I don't remember which one it is. Um, 
because she is such a lateral forefoot striker that it was designed to help guide her in to be a little bit more centered. So the amount of lateral sole flare here may affect you positively, may affect you negatively. Now, again, this is a total guess. We have never evaluated this person. We don't know their mechanics, but if I'm going to think of the most significant thing that's kind of outside of the ordinary would be that lateral flare. And so, especially if you're coming down at, uh, if you're a four foot striker, if you're coming down here, this extended midsole out here is going to pivot you because you'll, you'll land and you'll normally pronate in. It doesn't matter if you heel strike or four foot strike. Most people are going to, as they land, they're going to land in the lateral aspect and pronate in. If you have a lot of extra lateral sole flare, that is going to pivot you in a lot faster. And so the faster you run, also the faster that's going to happen. We do know that like pronation that's uncontrolled and it's happening too quickly, repetitively can be a risk factor for Achilles problems. We know that there's lots of evidence on that. That would be my guess. Nathan, what do you think? You, I almost don't even need to talk. Um, I was just going to talk about how the, you know, gastroc soleus and the Achilles tendon uh, at end range plantar flexion is where they're going to assist in, in supination of the foot, kind of that inversion. And so, you know, if you have the, if you're landing on that lateral flare and it's, and, and it has the potential to, it increases that moment arm into pronation and into right. that, that. So then you have to counteract that with your Achilles. I could see where that is, is playing a role, especially as you're picking up the pace and it's hitting harder. It's just a faster eccentric contraction with which your Achilles does have to help with. And maybe it's just the weak link. We know, Matt, you've said this before, but we know that runners have, you know, non-painful kind of latent tendinopathies sitting there. So maybe it's just enough to aggravate it. Yeah, this, this is what my research is on, is looking at Achilles tendinopathy in older runners. And one of the research articles I found was like, it, they're like, a majority of runners like, like have at least one leg that has Achilles tendinopathy, even if it's non-symptomatic. And I was like, what? And this is a huge study that was done like a thousands upon thousands of people. And I was like, whoa. And so, tendinopathy. Yeah, just go for it. Just define tendinopathy for people. You know, people probably hear tendinitis all the time. Yes. Tendinitis, so itis of a tendon is a acute or a very like just recent irritation, right? So there's inflammation going on. It's it's pissed off. The body's like, hey, this hurts. Tendinopathy is the chronic version of that. It means that you might have some damage in that area, which again, a lot of us have. There might, but it's not usually going to be inflammatory anymore. An acute injury, a short-term one, is very presents very differently from a chronic injury that's been going on for a long time. So the tendinopathies are the ones that are going, hey, you might have irritated in the past, and now it's kind of become this chronically irritated tissue. And that's that's what a tendinopathy is. It is very different from a tendinitis, although unfortunately, people still use those interchangeably. They are not interchangeable. They're two separate pathologies, although think, they might have common origins. I was going to say, I think maybe potentially two important things in that is um, Tendon, the word itis has been used forever for everything. Lateral epicondylitis, Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, like all of it has been tied with itis. And if you think about uh, a little bit deeper into what that means for you, like let's say you have a true itis, we know that inflammation means certain chemical markers within an area, which means they need, they're going to respond to a certain type of treatment, rest, even things like ice, sometimes of anti-inflammatories, like those are all geared to help with inflammation in the short term. Um, but when you get to tendinopathy, it's no longer, it, itis treatments won't work because you're not dealing with inflammatory markers. 
In this case, with tendons, you're dealing with a matrix. You know, these these things should be perfectly parallel in the direction of pull. What happens with these when they become unhealthy or have a tendinopathy is they go from this perfect alignment to misconstrued alignment of the collagen fibers. So treatment has to look different. How you approach that has to look different. If you took two weeks off of a tendinopathy and came back, it wouldn't help you, period, because it's not an inflammatory process that needs to go away. So there's a lot different treatment. So it really does matter. Um, and there's clinical diagnostics and ultrasound imaging diagnostics, which have helped with that. But um, and not every tendinopathy comes from an itis either. Um, it might start to hurt, but that doesn't mean it's been acute. And that's what I think they're I, that's one of those points, I think, from that study where a lot of people have it sitting there doesn't mean that it's this new inflammatory thing. And so we, you have to think about it from that perspective. And it also doesn't mean that you're going to have pain, which is the most challenging thing is we're yes. going through, especially right now with all the research, we're starting to understand pain science more. Just because you have a pathology doesn't mean you're going to have pain. We know that from like knee osteoarthritis and all these different osteoarthritis and like meniscus tears we now learning that meniscus tears are actually a normal part of aging to a certain yep. so it's like you know these it's, there might be a tendinopathy might also there's some argument that it might just be a normal part of aging and just you might you need to work on your calf strength but to get get back to that question i want to explain a little bit more i feel like it wasn't clear enough that if you're landing on this outside, and you're getting pivoted in more. As Nathan mentioned, the calf muscles, in addition to being plantar flexors, meaning they push your foot down, right? You push off of the ground. They are also inverters of the foot, meaning they push you in this way. So as you're towing off, they help you what's called supinate or roll on the outside of your foot or come off here. Um, the opposite motion of that is eversion or, or pronation. So an eccentric motion is where a muscle is being lengthened, doing the opposite of what it does when it shortens, but it's still contracting to control that motion. So that's eccentric. It's the most tension you can put on a muscle. If you're doing that repeatedly over and over and you do not have enough <coughs> eccentric strength or tensile resiliency of that tendon, that's probably what may be irritating them. So you have options. You can either work and see somebody to help you with that eccentric strength or this just may not be a good option for your speed stuff. And if you really like this foam, um, there's a couple other really good shoes. I mean, the I don't know if the plate's going to work for you, but the the uh, Fuel Cell RC Elite 2 is yeah. another good option um, that also has this foam, but less of that lateral flare in that way. Yeah. So there's uh, they're using Fuel Cell in a lot of stuff, so there are options. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. That was a good question. All right. Um, this is unrelated to that, but we have the we have this shoe out right now, uh, the Rebel Two. Something that I, I think is fascinating. This is probably one of the softest shoes that I've put on this year, right? So, yes. and, and it's got like it has that bouncy feel to it, kind of repulsive. These two together, yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't worn the RC Elite, so that would help me not understand. But I thought that I would have a really hard time. Um, because I don't typically do as well in the softer shoes, which is why I like the Boston 10, even though it's like a, it's literally like a brick and that doesn't bother me. I, I, the geometry is working for me yeah, really too. well. Like, yeah. It's like my go-to trainer right now. But, um, anyway, one of the things that they do with this foam and I'm going to bring it to the camera for people who are watching, but you can see there's a little bit of a ridge here, um, on there. You see that Matt on the inside too, yeah. you know, the, the way that 
midsole foams are shaped does make a big impact. So I'm going to use two examples. I'm going to start with the Glide Ride 2, or the Glide Ride, the first one, had a big kind of cutout V out of the side. And when you have like that concave shape to the midsole, it's going to compress a lot more easily. When you have it convex like this, where you have this, it's not a post, no, but it's more cross fibers of this foam to make it collapse less in that area. So you have this buildup here and it really does help. Kinbara um, is also one that has done this frequently for years. It's another yes. one that's like this is not supposed to like it's not a stability shoe, but again, the way the foam is designed, as Nathan's saying, will determine where there's resistance and where it's not. So that's my little thing. Yeah, this is another shoe. Again, I, I, Nathan and I are similar in that we both different. That I like more stability, but different in that or similar that we don't do well in soft shoes and i also did fairly well in the fuel cell rebel too and i was terrified of running in this shoe i was like i'm hurt like it's always a concern we try so many shoes we're like is this one gonna hurt like yeah but it works so works surprisingly well for how soft it is i can't do a long run in this this is not a long run shoe for me but no. like shorter stuff like oh that's pretty nice yeah, yeah. so interesting all right Next question here is from Keegan on Instagram. Um, they're asking, I'm curious what docs of running think of the variety of shoes runners use during recovery slash for casual wear. Recovery slides are all the rage and some swear by Birkenstocks. And what are we doing uh, when we strap our big toe down in a pair of Chacos? Are there some running shoes when worn casually that actually do more harm than good? There's a lot in that question. I don't know how much we'll dive into it i'm wearing these right now yeah I have, i've been wearing those all day that's an interesting question i don't have them with me at the moment they're in the, the front i should have brought them over these are the deckers what are, what are these ones called i don't i can't know. remember that's bad i can't remember but i'm wearing them because i people make fun of the way they look when i wear them so that's why i wear them He's got some good instagram photos on his private account with some like with wearing those they look really good it was like oh yeah me and pat Connaughton side by yeah. side i was like i saw the shoot the the deckers i'm like oh yeah he's wearing them yeah no, that's a good question um yeah. we did write a little bit about what we you know what research is out there on recovery footwear um some of it has to do it was just not a lot right um it's not great but there's some thoughts about like what type of foam can facilitate uh blood turn you know if you have softer foams that cause more like light contractions of muscles that what happens is veins run through muscles in our legs, like in your calf. And if you squeeze your calf, like contract it, it squeezes the vein that's in between and that pumps blood up towards the heart because of the valve system within veins. So there's some thought there. Um, Matt, what else do we got from a research perspective on recovery footwear? There's not very much. Uh, <laughs> there is this kind of garbage. Um, I think there's a lot out there right now. I'd say, from a clinical perspective, uh, like Nathan got the biggest part of saying that there's some suggestion that softer shoes help with the muscle pump because they're a little more unstable. So they kind of, and they're more protective. They're, they give you the perception of being more protective. They're not actually more protective. So, but it does tend to get some of the muscles in the foot working a little bit more because it's a little more unstable. I would say if, if we were, if I was going to make a suggestion on what not to wear, it's and I've and this is something that bothers me is seeing people walk around in like vapor flies and carbon fiber plated shoes. I think that would be the biggest one to say don't do that. 
right? There's already a carbon plate in there. You want to get some a little bit more natural motion. A token might be nice, but the biggest thing is comfort is going to be the most important factor. So if it's comfortable, it is more likely to help you with recovery. Um, but I would avoid racing shoes for recovery. They're not designed yeah. for that. They're not meant yeah. for that. Uh, we discourage that because there's no evidence to suggest those are positive for recovery. Running with them, there's some evidence to suggest actually decreases muscle damage to recover faster while you're running, but not afterwards. So you, I don't. It's while well, you're running compared to running in something else. Right. I think if you have if you have a comfortable pair of shoes, whether it's running shoes, a sandal, or whatever. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Probably the one thing I would suggest uh, is, yeah, comfort is is key. Just be careful with certain footwear that tends to alter your mechanics or make you work harder because you're trying to get your foot to relax a little bit. So I'm personally not a big fan of flip-flops um, only because the way you end up gripping your foot is if there's not a back to it, people tend to grip more and it changes your mechanics. But even that is being overly like, mm -hmm. if it's comfortable, you're probably fine. Like we don't thoughts on the uh, thoughts on the toe being strapped down in a chaco. That's an interesting. Yeah, I legitimately have never thought about it. Um, I haven't either. I was sitting there going, I don't know how to like. I've never worn one either, so I've seen them. I would yeah. have to think about how restrictive that is. If it's not restrictive, you can still extend your toe. Fine. Like, and even if you know. The, the the toe might come off of i just don't think it would change muscle activation at all you know from like a because when we when we go it's the only time would restrict, yeah right. the only way it would restrict the toe in my mind because i haven't worn them either would be when you're you know you're reaching out for heel strike you might have slight dorsiflexion to the great toe that would be restricted but that's only a couple degrees because yeah. it wouldn't restrict the, the toe off i just don't think it would matter but I don't think there's enough for us to say that like, oh, that's bad. I think it's fine as long yeah. as they're comfortable and as long as you feel good in them, you're <clears throat> Yeah. Also no track spikes. Track spikes are a no-no for recovery. <laughs> well, they're bad for your hardwoods. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's true. Expensive to repair the floor. All right, here we go. You ready for the next one? Yes. That's a good I'm question. I'm with more jokes on that, but I think we'll let that um, <laughs> Um, this is Paul also from Instagram. Good morning. Getting back into my running after an injury. I'm now running with custom orthotics. Okay. What quote, super shoe do you recommend for a half marathon with the orthotics? Also, what one do you recommend for a first marathon? Thanks for the time and recommendation. Well, that's tough. That's this is, really the, tough. this is a really tough question. I'm very interested in this. I have had some very interesting experience with patients using orthotics with super shoes, and it is very variable. Nathan, what do you think? I'm curious to get your thoughts. My first, I was going to say, maybe first, you, you've been in more of the, of the super shoes than I have, yeah. quote, super shoes. Which ones can even accommodate an orthotic? Maybe start there that you can think of, like which ones have a, enough room or a movable right. insole? The, the, the RC elite two is one of the few ones I know that has a, a lot of the, that has a removable insole. So most of the time, a lot of these shoes, the insole is non-removable or it's like glued down. So you could go far enough. And I did this for my wife actually, um, 
long before we married at a race where she needed to put an insole in based on what was going on. And the shoe at that time did not have it. So you can uh, use a um, a blow dryer, as I found, and like get the glue to loosen up and pull the, the, the insole out. But a lot of the super shoes now, it's either glued down or the thing's so thin that if you put an insole in there, there's not going to be enough room there. So I'd say the RC Elite 2 is one of the few shoes where the insole is thick enough for you to be able to take that out and it's still set up nicely enough for you to put that in. And it's not rigid enough that it wouldn't mess up an orthotic because like a really rigid shoe plus an orthotic is going to be, it might be too much. Yeah. This is probably the one I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Does the Endorphin Pro too, does the Endorphin Pro have removable? I don't remember. Uh, oh, have yours? I don't. Uh, they're upstairs. I could go running them, but I, I think I have this thing in my head that I think they do. I think they. I think it might. I can't remember. I don't have my pair with me at the moment. Yeah. But a lot of the other ones don't do well. I know this one has a gluten insole that's really thin, so this is the Deviate Nitrally. I love this shoe, but it's probably not going to work well with an orthotic. Um, let me grab the Metaspeed Sky. Okay. Few people with that. And we're only yeah, answering that question. Not, definitely not in this shoe. <laughs> that isn't even glued down. I think that's like part of the, the midsole. So, yeah. I I, think, and we're no. only talking about what shoes have removal, have potential space for it. Um, I think when it comes to someone who gets custom orthotics at this point to help with their recovery, we don't know anything about your story, which does make specific recommendations hard. And yeah. um, it's kind of dangerous waters to try to, like for someone who, we know custom orthotics are not as in vogue as they used to because of how the research is bearing out with them. Um, and that orthotics a lot of times are most beneficial for like temporary use until blah, blah, blah. Um, most but- Kind of like casts, not all of them, but not some, mm -hmm. there's, there's some people do well in them. But a lot of times, some of the evidence suggests a lot of them work like casts. Like it works well for the first point, then you, you get out of them. Yeah, get out of them. Though. We don't know this person at all. So yes, so that that's why I think it's hard to to make a specific shoe recommendation. But I think the first question has to be which shoes can actually accommodate it, and that might be the one. I think the RCOP so, off the top of my head is the only one I can think of that truly has a removable insole. And and New Balance shoes usually do pretty well with insoles in general. So yeah, probably would be one of the few maybe one of the maybe like carbon x um does it have a removable insole i don't know yeah it is yeah it just got to be really you got to be very cautious with that because we don't have a lot of evidence on how insole and again we don't know you so we don't know what part of your insole is stiff or not so you need to be very careful of how the plate if you're using a super shoe how it's interacting with that because that could either be good or not good so you're going to have to, whoever gave you the insole, I would go to that person to see how is this insole designed. And then you have to try it out and, and see, because yeah. the mechanics are going to be, are going to vary in <laughs> that custom insole. Yeah. Cool. That was an interesting question. Yeah, it's, that's such a hard one. Single thing. I'm like, oh, that was interesting. Got some good questions today. <laughs> uh, this next question is from Bob on Instagram. Um, and he asks, do you feel at the, uh, do you feel the plates at nine to 10 minute pace in the Bondi X? So I guess this is my question. That's a um, I have no idea. So, so I kind of referenced this earlier today, but the, the plate is not the most rigid plate that you'll feel like some 
you know, I think about like even for me, like the endorphin pro is very rigid through the whole thing. And you like, it doesn't really give this once you have it in there, like you can squat down onto your toes and the shoe bends like a normal shoe. And so I've, I've, um, I've taken this shoe. I have been doing paces down in the nine, the nine, like eight thirty to nine minute per mile. I have not really done nine to 10, maybe my first mile, you know, when I'm going early in the morning. Um, and that's going to be part of my review with this is like, how much is the plate actually doing? And I don't think I feel the plate propulsing me forward. It is smooth and I, I, it is very nice on toe off, but I don't, feel the plate independent of the other construction of the shoe. I really feel more the soft foam um, and the nice rocker feel. And I, the plate might help facilitate that, but it's not like the plate is sticking out. Like some other shoes, I feel like I feel the, in the Deviate Nitro Elite, I really feel the plate come alive at different paces um, and change. So not so much in the Bondi X, uh, even you know going faster, the shoe just, it, it rolls along all right. So. That is a good question about what shoes do you feel the plate at certain places, paces like the deviate nitro elite is very interesting because when I'm, I could like almost do recovery run in this shoe, it's like that smooth. I wouldn't suggest, yeah. that. but then, and you don't feel the plate until you really start to push into it versus other shoes. Like this one, I can feel the plate the entire time, but that's also that's a good midsole's, midsole's pretty firm too. So this is another rigid example. Yeah. We just held up the uh, 361 flame and then the uh, speed freak. They're more rigid. Yeah. So, yeah, a little bit more flexible in the body X. All right. Next question is Toby off of YouTube. Um, what exercises would you recommend for someone training for their first marathon, both running workouts and strength training? And what racing shoes would you think would be good to finish a first marathon? marathon? No time, just more focused on completion. I've not trained past the half marathon distance yet, but want to try and look towards a spring marathon. Well, Toby, that's exciting. That's excited for you. Nathan, what do you think? I want you to start off on this. Sure. Um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm in my marathon training block right now. Um, I, should we do the exercise ones or? Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. What do yeah, you there's think? a lot of questions in there. If you had to choose three exercises, what would you choose for a, oh. new, for a new marathoner? Oh, man. Three? Only three? Yep. You only get to choose three. Well, I guess I'll say what I'm doing. All right. That's fine. Um, I'm doing some, I'm doing other things, but if, if I had to pick my, my three, I'm doing... At least I would have one exercise that targets your glutes a little bit more. I'd have one exercise that kind of gets your quads and your hamstrings. And then one that kind of gets your calves. I think I'd, maybe if you had to break up three exercises, that's maybe how I would choose to do it. Okay. Um, and so right now I'm doing uh, kind of crab walks banded. Like I put a band around my knees and I'm doing side, some side and diagonal stepping with them. Um, I'm doing weighted kettlebell squats, um, hot, really high repetition. Like I'll even do like sets of 30 to 50, um, a couple times a week. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm doing some calf raise things, but I'm recovering a calf injury as well. So my, I can't really speak too much, uh, but, um, I would, you can either, I think what's fun about cat, the calf stuff is sometimes I'll do step-ups as well. I'm doing step-ups every week right now, but like step-ups. And then at the top, you can do a calf raise, 
so that you're hitting your calf at the top and kind of working on triple extension at the top of the step up, uh, meaning extending your hip, your knee, and your ankle at the same time. So those would be my maybe my three. So banded sidewalks, um, which unless the, the, never mind, it's going to go too deep. I, I think those are really good. I think that's similar to what I would suggest where knowing just injury risk, like injury patterns of especially yeah. marathoners, lateral hip strength, like knee being like lateral hip strength, glute, quad, hamstring, and then calf. So I'd say what Nate's suggestion is doing like lateral exercises, like the, the crab walks or the band walks, the side addressing, that's really important because marathon runners, we don't, people don't go side to side. You don't get that stuff as much. So you need to address that. <laughs> Some kind of single leg squat or single leg deadlift is really good because you're working on single leg mechanics and you get the glutes, glute max fires more when you're doing single leg activities versus double leg activities and running is a single leg activity. Single leg squats are great because you get quad, you get glute, you get a little hamstring in there. And then calf raises are, are probably the one of the biggest things I suggest because we know from the evidence that one of the most active muscles for during the like the phase of running where your foot's on the ground, the calf is one of the most like active ones. So calf strains injuries are very common. So you, if you're doing this, you should be able to do 20 to 25 single leg heel raises or calf raises in a row on both sides. If you can't do that, you should be working on it. And if you can do it, you still might be want to work on it. So that's yeah. Nathan is that's great. There are millions of exercises out there to accomplish this stuff, but addressing glute, knee quad hamstring and calf is probably the biggest things we would i would suggest i wouldn't make it too complicated on yourself like keep it simple so that you do it and then um matt what are your thoughts on because you said single leg squats and that's an intimidating looking exercise like to think yeah. about how you do that how do you like to do your single leg squats or do you think something like lunges or step ups could work for that in, in my mind yes mechanics are slightly different but the, the end goal exactly the same. So again, you have options. You can do a single leg squat, a step up, a lunge. It doesn't matter as long as you're getting some like single leg biased in there. Cause you're again, each one has a benefit, but do the exercise you're most likely to keep doing. Yeah. It's usually you're not going to get any benefit if you're not doing anything. Do the one you're most yeah. likely to do. And it, this is a great question because it's very important for runners to be doing strength training. It is one of the few things that we know reduces your injury risk. And also we know from some interesting literature that running doesn't increase your bone density the way we would like. What does is that higher, higher load from strength training does. So for bone stress injuries, for muscle injuries, it's one of the most important adjunct things you can be doing as a runner. Yeah. And uh, it's like the people I was, I was treating this morning, like, they, one of the, the ladies is already doing like deadlifts and power, power cleans. I'm like, I'm so thankful you're already doing this stuff because the thing runners don't like doing is strength training. And that's the most beneficial thing you can do from so many aspects. So great question. Yeah. The other part he asked about what shoes would we recommend for race day? And he doesn't have a time. This person doesn't have a time goal. Um, right. my, I would just find the shoe that you love to run in. You know, I, and, and that, and that has worked well for, you're going to run plenty of long runs. You know, if you take a shoe over 13 miles, it's going to, and you enjoy it at 13, right. you're going to, you're going to be fine for the marathon. No shoe is going to feel perfect by the end of a marathon. especially oh, wow. your first run. So just find the one that you love to run in comfort wise and just let that comfort filter, which we've talked about a lot, yeah. let that guide your decision. You don't need a plated shoe. 
you could choose oh. a plated shoe if it's your if it's your favorite but i you know i i probably for i you know the people who i quote unquote like guide in their running are not uh healthy they're, they're injured so my my recommendations are typically different oh he asked you about running workouts and i kind of want to like punt that to run coaches yes. a little bit like that's yes we do we we do our own but i think i want to punt that expertise to the run coaches yeah um for running there, workouts there's some great coaches out there so we'd encourage you um to look them up and and ask that stuff uh there's just, there's great resources out there for you um yeah we, I mean, we can obviously tell you the long runs, one of the most important runs, but again, your goals and how your body responds, it's best to find someone who can work with you on that. But I, I totally agree with Nathan. If it's a first time marathon, your goal is to complete it. I, I kind of hesitate to, I hesitate to suggest a, a, like a super shoe. I really encourage you to go find a really comfortable trainer that you yeah. really enjoy. Like if I had to go do a marathon tomorrow, it would probably be in the magnify um, just because it's so comfortable, it works well for me for for long, my long runs. If I if I was shooting for speed, it might be different. But if I'm just going to com like complete it and I want something comfortable, it's going to get me the finish line. I usually suggest like that comfortable trainer that you know and you trust. That'd be good. You, yeah. If you're going to do a marathon in a super shoe, I know it's the big thing right now, but you got to make sure your body's ready to handle that. That's a whole nother thing. So find a comfortable shoe and it doesn't need to be the fastest one it does need to be the most comfortable one though yeah and and there's something to be said about a foam that doesn't bottom out like if yeah. if you depending on what kind of, if you're a heavier runner or if you um tend to to you know land pretty heavy you know sometimes having extra stack feels nice so like you said the magnify um could be a good option i know for me like symmetros would be one that i would lean to the wave rider 24 for me i like the 24 more than 25. um you know those would be shoes that i'd lean towards but really good question and i hope your training and your marathon goes well it's good pretty luck. awesome uh next person is nick from instagram just curious is there any downside to having the torsion system take some of the plantar fascial load like could you experience problems after using the adidas shoe for a while with the torsion system and then switching to a shoe with a less rigid midfoot that that's assuming that the torsion system actually unloads the plantar fascia, which we don't. I, I there's no evidence it actually does. Um, I can tell you that from experience of having patients with plantar fasciitis running in Adidas shoes with torsion systems and not having a significant impact, at least from a testimonial level. But I guess they're kind of you're asking about like stiffness, right? Okay, Nathan, well, also, what's going on? I was gonna say back up. Explain what a torsion system is. Okay, and then and then. Um, then filter in again what you said already because that's perfect. Dude, that do I have like shoes with a torsion system? Or are those so out of vogue now? I don't have any more. Do you have one? Yeah. I don't have one on me. I don't think I have any anymore. Yeah, everybody's using like full ground contact outsoles. Um, even Adidas is like a lot of the. Oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got one. I got one. I, but this is kind of different. So I think this doesn't quite count because it extends all the way to the forefoot, but. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think if you spend a lot of time, it's like, honestly, there's no... What's we the torsion system? What? Oh, yeah, my bad. Sorry. So <laughs> the torsion system is, and there's many different names for this. So ASICs had, had their trustic system. Adidas has a torsion system. It's just a piece of plastic in the midfoot designed to increase rigidity there. And there, the what 
they used to say was that it was trying to stabilize the midfoot more and then connect like Adidas. One of the comments is they'd said it allowed the forefoot and the heel to move independently, which didn't make sense to me because it feels like you're stiffening up the shoe, but that's a different story. But a torque system is designed to stiffen up the midfoot. Um, and I think this is a, a good question for any shoe. If you've been running in a, in a, a shoe system for a very long time, your body is going to be a little more used to that, whether it's increased flexibility or decreased flexibility. So if you decide to switch to something else, you should transition into it slowly because it is a new stimulus, regardless of what direction you're going, because your body needs to get used to that. So I don't think it's bad, mostly because I don't think it's actually unloading your plantar fascia. I think what it's doing is creating a stimulus that now your body is used to. And so if you've been in that for a while, you need to your body has to be able to transition out of it. So get, let it take your time with that. And different people can do that. Like for those of us, like we test so many shoes, our bodies have kind of, I, my body's gotten a little bit better at transitioning quickly between shoes, but there's still, there are some things that are too far, right? So Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong, you stability shoes are not your thing. Like if you jump into those, that's, that's usually like, there's going to be some concern there. For me, it's like, if it's way too unstable, I have to go very slowly into it or I'm going to start having problems. It's like, I have to transition to stuff like that. Whereas other shoes, I can go really quickly and bounce back and forth without a problem. Yeah. I answered no, the I think question, right? Finally. Yep, you did. <laughs> I, I, think, tangent. I think I agree. And it's similar to what we, we started, or I started kind of musing about of like, are all carbon plates created equal? You know, the right. flexibility of something yeah. and like, we, we know things like, uh, this is, I always draw from other stuff because this is what I do more often than talk about shoes is, you know, people who are wearing back braces either after surgery or with back pain, you know, those like kind of straps that, that come in, even some things like Aspen braces. The fear in the past was you wear that brace, it's going to decrease the strength in your back or your abdominals because it's like acting like a cast and, and holding you. But they, what they found is that the activation of muscles, regardless of wearing a brace or not, is exactly the same. So for, for people who have back pain, where wearing like an SI belt or some kind of compression brace temporarily like helps their symptoms, there is not really the downfall of them accommodating to it and becoming weaker. We don't know that for shoes, but I think that that's good to say it's a possibility that even that could be the same with carbon plates. Right. Just because it creates rigidity doesn't mean the, the muscles in the foot are doing something different. We haven't measured that. We can right. only, at this point, we can only speculate, which is... Right. Speculate. I mean, maybe that's a strong word because we can, we have a lot of um, knowledge and theory and biomechanics and act like uh, muscle activation with different activities, but um, we can make good educational guesses. Maybe we're still trying to figure out how to actually quantify like intrinsic muscle foot strength. Like there's still argument about how do we actually measure that? So, mm -hmm. but yeah, to answer, answer the question again, torsion system, carbon plate, like it's the same thing. If you are in a really rigid shoe and you transition to a very flexible shoe, your body needs some time to get used to it. And vice versa, if you have a really flexible shoe and go carbon plate shoe, it's just, mm -hmm. you, you gotta get, you should get, you probably should give your body time. You're not necessarily gonna have atrophy of muscles. We can't say that, but it's just to give your body time to get used to that. Also right. fun fact we've seen from some of the evidence on like ankle braces that you know, people will feel better in the ankle braces, but some of the research has shown you actually move just as much, if not more, when you're wearing the brace, even though the patient will say, I feel more stable. Um, so again, like comfort, perception, stuff like that 
plays a big deal in this, sometimes as much as the biomechanics. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are about, we are a little over halfway through the questions. Oh, hello. A guest, this is our newest guest reviewer. He will do it, be doing um, the nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are listening, that was one of Matt's beautiful cats. Cosmo, right? Yeah, who's now eating the my shoe wall, actually. All right. <laughs> so... We still have a bunch of questions left. We're gonna we're gonna save those for our next episode um, that we do. Um, Bach wanted us to make sure we're gonna finish up. Matt, anything else you wanna you wanna say? No, it's good questions. I think the big takeaways from today is please make sure it like exercise. Why like we obviously are physical therapists, so we're by doctors of physical therapy. We're biased on this, but strengthening is one of the few things we know that decreases injury risk. So if you are a runner you have some responsibility to be doing, and it doesn't have to be a thousand things. It just like two or three exercises like that you can add in that work on areas you may have had trouble with, or just in general, build lower body and strength and stability. You should be doing those like two or three times a week. We do know yeah. that it does, and it should be pushing you a little bit. We do know that strengthening does decrease injury risk. Tr shoe transitions, right? If you're transitioning between two very different shoes, ease into it. Do not just jump in. Some people can do that. Not everybody can. So if you're going from something that is like low to the ground and super flexible to all of a sudden something that's super stiff and high stack, take your time, right? If you need to let your body adapt to that. When it comes to recovery, like just like a lot of things, comfort is key. Okay. We don't have a lot of evidence on that so far. And we just know that if it's comfortable, you're probably going to do well on it. Don't wear track spikes for recovery because it's expensive to like repair the floors. <laughs> awesome. And then, and, again, and then plates, and plates are not magic, right? Certain people do very well in them and certain people do horribly in them. You need to figure out if they work for you. And if they don't, don't follow the hype train, figure out what works for you, not your next door neighbor, not your running partner who just got the newest like Vaporfly next percent like RC elite, whatever, find out what works for you. And that's, what's going to get you to the finish line and the start line actually. Yes. I was going to go down another rabbit hole, but this is long enough. So I ran um, for enough time. Bach is going to get mad at me because I'm going to deliver this less eloquently than I probably should. Um, but he wrote down stuff for us to mention just to, I, and it's wise, right? Like to tell people what we're up to in ways they can be involved yeah. in, because in, our goal is to help people learn. So yes. um, he's going to be so mad at me for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bob. Um, but we do a Strava club. So yes. you can check that out. You can see what we're running in. Um, we usually post that. David is usually, uh, DJ is usually putting, uh, hey, DJ, this is funny. He's usually putting lyrics to a song yes. for every run that he does. Um, so, you know, he's entertaining to follow. But you can see what we're up to. You can see what other people who are following Docs of Running are up to. We obviously have our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, you can follow us on those if you want to see where posts are coming from and what reviews. Our latest reviews are on the website, Audios Pro 2 and the Puma Magnify. We just released those this weekend. Um, so just like and subscribe here as well on YouTube to follow everything that we are doing at Docs of Running. There's links for all of this stuff below. And if you're interested in any gear or whatever, check out um, our current favorites that we have linked 
through running warehouse down there as well. So we appreciate you guys, Matt. It was fun to actually chat again. It's been, yeah. it's been a long time. So 50th episode, Woo. halfway to a century, kind of fun. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right.